0: Baby, welcome to the welcome to the Frogcast. We are excited to be recapping the spring uh, scrimmage. I won't call it a game. The spring scrimmage that took place on Saturday. We're going to dig into things that were going on on both sides of the ball, depth issues, stars that might be on the rise, guys. We might have some questions about. We'll talk a little Chandler. I call him Chandler Bing Morris. The saga of his recruitment. Baseball. Are we a soccer school? Which really means we're a football school. Recruiting and all that other good stuff on this episode. Of the Frogcast, as always, we have Billy Wessels, Jeremy Clark, fellas. How are y'all doing on this fine Monday evening?
1: Doing good. Excited to talk about some uh, some games, some game, some practice.
2: Doing excellent. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts.
0: Awesome. Well, let's just jump right into it. This is uh, this is going to be the question probably for the next year in a lot of ways. But, Billy, did you kind of get a taste of normal, of what perhaps a post-COVID world will feel like on Saturday, where we had people there, we had football going on, and you were able to
1: at least pretend as if the world is returning back to normal? What was it like? Was that a shot at the few fans that show for TCU football games? Is that no. That it, no. <laughs> It was. It, it was. I know, I know what you're saying. No, it
0: was. Well, I was I, living that for about a third of the way down the outline, but no, it was not a shot of it, it probably was like a normal spring crowd, from what I've been able to gather.
1: So. Yeah, it was definitely. I think a little more than I expected, but it was not a. Not a, a fervor, not a fever pitch. I think people were there for the breakfast tacos. Also, they're pretty good. Shout out Rudy's. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was fun. Like it was fun sitting around people. I, I kind of stayed away uh, from the most part of people. I sat next to old pal Clint from Toad Talk. Uh, I appeared in his video this week. If you haven't seen that yet, give him a selfless plug there. But yeah, it was it was fun being around some people and watching watching football. I haven't sat in the stands at a football game since uh, two thousand nine when I was a student. So yeah, it was a, it was a weird experience. Jeremy, you've been to going to spring games since
0: like Jimmy Carter was president. What was this like to be able to get there, especially after last year when, after four days of practice, everything just went away? I mean, I was
2: I liked it a lot, man. It it was good uh, just to to see everyone in person. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw Billy in person. Uh, Coach Patterson, I don't think we've seen him in person since. Last Over morning. a year, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was it was a long time, and we were joking. Hey, coach, good to see you again. Um, but yeah, the fans came out. It was good. Rudy's had breakfast tacos. I didn't grab one of those. I, Brody was mad that he didn't grab one. He he didn't want to wait in the line, but he also was mad that he didn't get a breakfast taco. But um, we we went up to the press box, so it, you know, kind of normal for us um, being able to sit in the press box last year during the season and and during the spring game, and uh, I mean. It, it, it was what it was. I mean, you, you had, what, Billy, maybe 3,000 fans there, maybe 2,000. I don't know. Yeah,
1: between 2 and 3.
2: Um, yeah, somewhere around there. It was, it was fun. I mean, there's still a lot of protocols going on, still had to wear the mask and everything. But at least they got through 15 practices, and at least they had uh, a semblance of some type of spring game, even though they refuse to call it a game. It's called a scrimmage. Um, but it was fun being out there. I, I enjoyed it.
0: I know we're going to go deep in the weeds on this right out of the gate but are are the same uh, COVID protocols of testing going on during spring practices you know are people getting tested you know obviously that that cost us a bowl game that cost us the SMU game last year is that still in place are you aware? You know to be honest I haven't really asked
2: about it because I know a lot of the players have been vaccinated I'm pretty sure the entire coaching staff has been vaccinated I, I really haven't asked about it uh i guess i need to since it's still kind of it, it just it, not to not to sound bad about this but it seems like everything's just kind of not disappeared but it's really slowed um, well. yeah with with all the with all the vaccination and everything now um everyone's available to get it and it i mean just really hasn't been brought up um and, and again i'm not trying to sound insensitive about the whole deal but it it just it, it's it's just different from what it was four months ago during the season.
1: Well, you're the one here that's had it, so I think if anyone could be insensitive, it's you. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you mentioned wearing the mask. There was maybe ten percent of fans wearing the mask. Yeah, and it it was a nice day. There were, people were pretty spaced out. It, there were still marks in some seats and stuff, so it wasn't crazy. Like it wasn't. I didn't feel unsafe being there. Right. But, yeah. I think, I think Rona's over. I don't know if they're doing the testing or not anymore, but I can't imagine they are still. Yeah.
2: I think the only, the big difference for us is usually we get media. Uh, we get the field access. They didn't want anyone on the field as far as uh, media was concerned. Um, even the TV cameras had to stay up kind of on the East side concourse. Uh, and, and where we took pictures from was where I got the most pictures is basically where the showgirls stand um, during the games. I've, I squeezed in there before they got over there um, and was able to get a few pictures. But other than that, it was pretty much normal.
1: No one's going to comment on that. I was going to say, I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> I'm just going
2: to let that go. What? I squeezed in there before the showgirls got over there. I don't know what. Is by the, the show girls, I'm
0: them. just huh? going to let it go, Billy. I, I was laughing. and I didn't want I wasn't going to say anything. And then you had to well, go. I wasn't going
2: to go stand in front of them when they're doing their, their little cheers or whatnot. I'm, I mean, I'm not that brave
0: <laughs> brave okay good call yes, right, we're just going to move right along here i, I will say I, my hunch is that that covid protocol for the press patterson might err on the same on the safe side and keep that there till like 2027 just to be safe my hunch <laughs> is those are the things that he's going to want players whatever fans pack them deep but press we need you out there in um, north tarrant county in order to get just to stay safe <laughs>
2: Well, I was I was glad to, that he did something in person, and he, Astrid uh, and the boys, the the radio guys, John and Landry, they did a little radio show out there, and um, they had Coach B on before the uh, before the scrimmage, right before he talked to us. So I think it, if if he's at least getting in front of us and talking, and we all had our masks on, and he had his off, which was pretty funny. But uh, it, I I think we're it's safe to say that. We'll probably be returning to some normalcy as far as uh, media is concerned once fall camp starts later on this this summer and early – or late August, I think, is when they – or maybe early August. Yeah, early August is when they plan
0: to get going. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's get to go – let's get on to what was going on on the field besides the showgirls. Um, Jeremy, what caught your eye? This is an open-ended general question. We're looking at the offensive side of the ball. We're going to dig into, like, we got issues on offensive line. we got some other questions around quarterback. But what caught your eye, your big one or two takeaways from the offensive side of the ball in the scrimmage?
2: It's really tough because, number one, it's very vanilla. The offense isn't going to do a lot of things they're going to be doing uh, during the season. Number two, there was a lot of players missing, especially at cornerback on defense. Um, obviously, you had your fourth and fifth linebacker out there. So it was tough to get a, a, a true gauge of, of how good the offense looked. I will say Quentin Johnston, I think, is going to be really, really good. Uh, he had a few nice plays. and um, We only saw Max for two series. I, I think he had three or four completions. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the board, but one of the the plays that were so successful – back in 2014 and 15 is when Boykin used to do that play action and he'd throw that deep slant over the middle to Josh. And I, I'm pretty sure that's almost how every completion happened um, with Max uh, throwing to Quentin the other day. I think pretty much all of them were over the middle. We had some comments on the board talking about, wow, we're throwing over the middle now. Now, he was, Max wasn't perfect. He had an uh, overthrow to Barkley on a quick out. Um, he had an overthrow to Quentin. Quentin, I think had lined up as a slot and they were trying to run a wheel route with them and it was slightly overthrown. Um, but I will say the passes over the middle are really something that we haven't seen the last two years, but again, this was very vanilla that we're not, we're not going to see a a whole lot of, uh, on what they're going to be doing in the fall once, once it's game time. But, um, the offensive line, I will say, the interior didn't impress me as much as I thought it was going to. I, I felt like that was going to be a strength. Uh, we heard a lot of good things about Steve Avila, um, and we, you know, he he was probably the best interior guy. But um, the defensive line was was pretty good overall on on Saturday. But uh, I'm not worried about the offensive line. I will say that about the interior. But I will say with the tackles with Easy and Coker. Billy, correct me if I'm wrong, but when those two were going against Coleman and Mathis, I don't think either one of those guys got a sack. And really even a hurt – I don't even think they got a quarterback hurry when those two guys were out there. No, um, they, so the tackle, the,
1: were they barely did anything. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the tackle position I thought played really well. Um, so that was a positive. But overall, I, I like Blake uh, Noel. I thought he had a really good uh, catch and run. Uh we saw Zach Evans just go right up the middle untouched speed. And everyone Everyone I talked to this spring said he was having a, a phenomenal spring. So that, that's a good sign. And uh, we got to see Chandler Morris. Uh, Chandler Morris was the third quarterback out there. I think that's about right for now. Um, he There's nothing that he did that just told me, oh, my gosh, he's got to be right behind Duggan. Uh, he does have great wills. He does have great escapability. Throwing wise, he still needs to improve. Um, he's a small guy. He's a little bit smaller on the field than I thought he would be. Uh, maybe it's just because the offensive line's so huge. But overall, um, it's tough to even grade it out. But it it is what it is, guys. I mean, Billy and I have been around the team for a long time. You guys that have been fans, you know, for a long time, especially in the Patterson era, have have seen this same song and dance in spring games for. You know, for as long as we can remember. So there's there's nothing I'm going to say that's that's going to make you guys' jaws drop. Um, just understand that Quentin Johnston is going to be a really good player, and I think Max has shown a little bit of improvement.
0: Let's flip over to the other side of the ball. William, any thoughts, takeaways, big one or two points from the defensive side of the ball that caught your eye?
1: Well, it was weird but also kind of refreshing to see a, uh, another really good number seven with dreadlocks playing safety. Like, that was nice. Like uh, T.J. Carter, I'm a big believer in. I think he looked really good at times in the game. I think he broke up a uh, – would have been a touchdown to Blair Conright I think he broke up one. And I think Nuke Bradford broke up the other one. Um, so good to see that. I feel good about that second safety spot. Not the second – whatever. I feel good about the quote-unquote replacement for Merig. Uh And then another guy that kind of caught my eye that I hadn't seen much of at all was uh, Thomas Armstrong. I know he had moved there from the defensive line. He, I think he recovered a fumble. Which he in turn fumbled it back, but whatever. You're not asking him. To- <laughs> and, and you got, uh, and the, they blew the whistle before that happened anyway, so it didn't, it didn't actually happen. But yeah, good to see him run around. I think he had, he had one or two pretty good hits on people too. So uh, I think those two guys really stood out the most to me. And of course, the defensive tackles. I, I think it's going to be a just a monstrous unit at the defensive tackle spot for TCU with Patrick Jenkins. I think he's going to be one of the leaders as far as the young guys going to step up big this year.
0: You know, I think we got the the good end of the trade with the University of Memphis of trading Austin Myers for easy and Carter. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just going to go. On the I'm just going to go on the record there. I have a feeling that's going to work out pretty well. Have you us. been rubbing it
2: into your uh, Memphis friends up there?
0: You know, I got I got I got a few like hardcore Tiger fans that always ask me like, you know, they were they were like the day that Myers announced he was coming here. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're getting a starting offensive lineman from the Big 12. This is great. Right. I'm like. It's great for us, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh!" And they're like, "I can't believe we lost these two guys. These these are starters. These are these are great players." Um, they talked about what a great human being uh, Easy is, and um, and 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 obviously Carter's going to be a start. It looks like he's going to start right away. So I, I'm going to wait and rub it in. But they're also my church members, so I, I kind of like my job. So I won't rub it in. Yeah, yeah, understand financial. that. Yeah, I What's also. You- don't- I don't tell all my Memphis fans here that I'm a big Kentucky basketball fan either. I tend to keep that to myself because they hate they hate John Calipari. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, all right, let's go. Um, let's let's go a little deeper here, Billy. Obviously, offensive line is going to be the biggest question mark going into 2021. My, my, you know, in my uninformed opinion, if the offensive line can work. I think the Frogs have a chance to to compete to play for the Big 12 title. Obviously, we have issues on the offensive line that date back um, a couple of years here. After what you saw on Saturday, what um, uh, Jeremy has said, what you have witnessed and observed and heard, do you feel hopeful or pessimistic about the offensive line going into the
1: fall? I'm hopeful. I, I, that's kind of my eternal optimist, I suppose. But I've been saying for like two years. This team was built for 20, 2021, and I'm sticking by that point. I think Easy's going to be a, an incredible plug-and-play guy. Coker is a guy I loved two years ago. I don't think he played as good last year as he did as a freshman, but I, it was a weird year, kind of throw it away. But I think Coker's going to be really good, and, and Jeremy mentioned how great both those guys looked on Saturday. And yeah, I think Steve might have had a down day Saturday, but I'm not going to let one uh, bad practice ruin what I think's going to be a really star player in the future. And I saw a little bit of Wes Harris. I was excited to see up there as well. This is a unit that I think is definitely pivotal. You're right when you're saying they're the most important part of this team. And if they're successful, this team will be successful. We saw in the second half of the year last year that as the O-line went, kind of how the offense went, kind of how the team went. So I think it's going to be really important, but I do think it's going to be overall an area of strength uh, in 2021 by the time the season gets here.
2: I think one thing someone mentioned on the board is – you also got to remember on Saturday that this TCU defensive line is really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it very well could be the best defensive line in the Big 12. So we also got to – I mean, they. Who I can't remember who posted it, but that was a great point that I didn't really consider on Saturday. It's like, man, they're struggling. But you look up and you're like, holy cow, they're, they're playing against a, a really good defensive line.
1: Yeah, it's almost – it's weird. The the weird aspect of the spring game is who you're rooting for, right? You're rooting – if no one scores, like, well, this team sucks. But then you realize, oh, the defense is really good. But so if people score left and right – Fans would be excited because oh look at the offense, look at the offense. But you know, GP would a uh, like be ripping people's heads off on the sideline. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be satisfied with the 70 yard Blake Noble touchdown and 70 yard 75 yard Zach Evans run as enough offense for me, and just know the offensive unit's gonna be the offensive lines gonna be much better by the time actually the fall gets here.
0: Yeah, who you root for in those moments is is difficult to to, to digest and dissect. But if we take the if if we if we use that filter to look at it, we have to be excited about our, our offensive tackles. I know we've highlighted, you know, there maybe were some concerns in the middle. I feel, you know, before Saturday, I felt really good about how we were going to play in the middle. And my question was, are we going to be able to, to, to set things on the edge? Are we going to be able to have offensive tackles that can do their job? Um, you know, Mathis and Kari Coleman, uh, I have no questions about their capacity to produce this fall. So our offensive tackles played well. Maybe they can piece things together in the middle between now and august so i'm I'm going to go with the i'm I'm an optimist like you are, Billy. I know you've already predicted a national championship this year, and so I won't go that far, but I will say the offensive line will get better in the middle.
2: I will say this they look huge up front that starting offensive line is huge,
0: and what more do you want? What more do you know, want exactly what more do you want? Uh, let's flip over to the other side of the ball, Jeremy. We obviously are going to have to replace two players in the defensive backfield that are probably going to get drafted, uh, you know, before the fourth round or fifth round. I know we're going to have a first rounder. What did you see in terms of people stepping up in the defensive backfield that at least could give some Frog fans some confidence, or any points of concern?
2: Well, I mean, the only concern you have is you're you're replacing two NFL guys and one's basically going to be a first round pick, so. You got to kind of temper your expectations a little bit. I mean, I don't think anyone on the roster is going to play as good as Merrick. I, I was impressed with TJ and kind of the thing that's really impressive about him is I don't think he ever played safety before getting down here. I think he was always a corner and people I've talked to around the program have said he's, he's a extremely fast learner. He's got great ball skills, uh, great awareness and, one of the plays that Billy was talking about where he saved a touchdown, man, he covered a ton of ground on that play. I thought it was a touchdown and maybe it's a touchdown. If, if, if it's a different quarterback throwing, I don't know, but he made a great play Uh, just kind of looked like a center fielder out there running down a deep fly ball. He batted it away at the last second, but he's not as big as, as as Trey, but uh, I, I will say that he did make enough plays on, on Saturday where I feel more comfortable than, than what I did before. Um, having a chance to see him up close. Now, again, he's not going to be Trey Merrick, but I think it's, the, the big thing with the secondary, and, and I've said this on the board and I've talked to people about it, biggest thing that's going to help them this year is the defensive line. Anytime you have a good defensive line, the rest of the defense plays well. Uh, for whatever reason, 4-2-5, strong D-line, your defense is going to be good in general. But with TJ, I thought he played really well. Um, Bud Clark is another guy that they're really high on. Come fall, I don't know what it's going to look like. I know he's been getting more reps because uh, McEwen, uh, Deshaun uh, McEwen is out. Um, and you, you have LaKendrick Van Zant. that's kind of a strong safety, weak safety top. Nook Bradford played he, he, on Saturday. He played pretty well. I think as far as weak safety goes, uh, Josh Foster is another guy that I think is going to be able to step in. I think weak safety is going to be fine, but you just you just got to make sure that you kind of temper your expectations with the the free safety play because right now there's no one on the roster that resembles what Trey Merrick was, and and I, I don't I don't think you see any any first rounders right now in, in the defensive secondary, but I think they're good enough to where they can win a lot of games with those guys
1: one more play on tj that that sticks out to me you mentioned the ground he covered breaking up the uh, breaking up the Blair Conroy touchdown he almost caught Zach in that 75 yard touchdown run like I don't know if Zach led up when he got to like the 20 or whatever but he wasn't giving up on that play and was chasing him down the whole way and nearly caught him so I think that's another exciting like the the, the work ethic the, the attitude you can t- you can read a lot into it but he's got some speed man I, I'm excited to see what he can do
2: yeah, and the thing crazy thing about it was, is he was missing a lot of spring practice because he he had tweaked something. But uh, it was good to see him out there because I didn't know if he was going to play or not. But I keep hearing great things about him, and hopefully the the great things uh, come to fruition in the fall and he does well.
0: That is good. We're looking forward to seeing how that shapes up. All right, Billy. This is one of those uh, Jeopardy type questions. Let me lay. Or no, it's not Jeopardy. Let me lay
1: this out for you. Who is bad at this?
0: Who is bad at this? The answer: Who is Jeff Mitchell? Um, we've got Savion Williams and Quentin Johnston spread out on either side of the field on the edge. Barber and Spielman in the slot. Max at quarterback and Zach Evans at running back. This is the best set of skill players the frogs have put on
1: the field since. It's it's got to be 2015, right? And I don't think it's really that close because uh, I think we've I've been saying all along. I'm sure everyone agrees that Quinn Johnson has big dots and energy and could be that kind of player that we want to see in a true number. one We haven't seen since then. And then as far as a number two, a Kobe listening to, to him, like you've met, you mentioned uh, the the freshman. You just said his name a second ago. I'm blanking on it all of a sudden. But I, I've been in love with Blair Conrad for, for two years now. Tay Barber, Steady Eddie. It's such a good unit of players that remind you of this of that 2015 uh, 2015 team, how explosive they can be. And, yeah, this is going to be uh, the I, – I, I don't want to say second-best offense in the Big 12, but maybe – like, who, who does Oklahoma have that's not in prison now because a bunch of players got to run? <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's better than them right now? Who are you more excited about? Iowa State and Brees Hall is going to run up the middle, and Brock Purdy is going to throw th- throw a ball backwards to like Kendrick Van Zandt. I'm like this Big Twelve. I think is there for the there for the taking. I think Tisha's going to run up there and grab it with this great offense.
0: You know, I have to say this. This is the first sports joke I ever learned, and my dad told it to me when Barry Switzer was the head coach. Oklahoma is number one in three polls: AP, UPI, and FBI. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh <golly. laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna all I right, here's a hot sports opinion billy agree or disagree quentin johnston will be better than Jalen rager oh I, I think quentin johnston had a better freshman year than Jalen rager did and it was on a worse team
1: that's one of the coldest takes i've ever heard in my entire life okay sorry about that <laughs> you know i mean you know if i'm that to i love Jalen rager i know i felt at times that he he didn't – he never lived like, – I don't want to say he never lived up to the hype because he had some moments, but there was like, come on, man. Like, you, you, if you want to be a first-round guy, make that play. Now he proved us all wrong by being a first-round guy despite some plays he didn't make. But John, uh, also I think Johnson's going to get some of the perks of having a guy and Max Duggan that can throw it 50 yards through the air like that. I don't know if Kenny Hill ever had uh, – I don't want to blaspheme Kenny Hill. But I, I think uh, Duggan is a guy that can utilize – Johnson better than anyone utilized Rager. Also, Rager had games started by Grayson Mielstein and other guys, so it's not quite the same. But I think Johnson is going to be one of ooh a top three receiver in TCU history when he's done. Is that a hot take?
0: Now, now, all right. So if if, if you <laughs>
1: think you, hot takes.
0: all right. So if you're gonna if you're gonna clearly differentiate him from Jalen Rager, then what we're really getting into is Josh
1: Dotson territory. Mm. He's, gonna, he's gonna be number two behind Dobson he's not gonna catch him but I think he's gonna have that kind of impact on the team this year where you have a true number one that you can just throw it to him and they're not gonna do this but you can throw it to him 20 times a game and feel good about it like they did in 2015
0: mm-hmm.
2: could Quentin break the single season all-time record this year what, what is it
0: well
1: see that's that's
0: a that's a Doug Meacham issue not a not a um, Quentin issue you're
2: talking yards? Uh, I, Hey, I, I will say this, and Billy, I know you'll agree with this. Max loves him some Quentin Johnston. He does. Who doesn't, dude? I mean, they—they, they, I'm telling you, they were connecting left and right uh, when Max was in there. And I think Max probably threw what Billy seven or eight total passes, and probably oh, yeah. five to six of them went to Quentin.
1: Yeah, I think six were to Quentin, and and there was the deep ball they missed them. And you mentioned the over the middle stuff. Yeah, no, that that connection is real and it's there. And just find someone that looks at you the way that Max Duggan looks at Quentin Johnson. Yes,
0: I will. That's life goal hashtag right there, right there. Jeremy, you gonna take you gonna take that as the best offensive set we're gonna put out there since twenty fifteen.
2: Yeah, I can agree with that. I think Billy made some great points. I mean, you've got a you've got a third year guy quarterback. You've got the only five star running back. Um, other than Tyson Thompson, whoever, who never put on a prog uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zach Evans is <laughs> the next great thing. And, uh, you've got great receivers on the outside to a six, five, six, four guy on the outside. And you got three, just Spillman uh, I don't. Did you mention Darius Davis? Darius I Davis. Didn't, I
0: didn't mention Darius yeah. Davis. Darius, no.
2: Darius Davis is another no. one. That, I hadn't that's mentioned had a,
0: Conrad, that, or, uh No, I had not. And
2: and Conrad had a pretty Conrad. good spring game, and, and you got Barber. So the, the four slots are are really good. And I mean, it's on paper. Paper, I you know, I, would I guess say, yeah, twenty fifteen.
0: I guess I'll be a revisionist in my own history here. I guess I'd say twenty fourteen, because how many games was were. All right, we didn't have. I'm going to go to 2014 because we had uh, Deontay Gray in 2014 that we didn't have in 2015. Uh, how many games were Josh and Colby Listen be out there at the same time in 2015? You know, because Colby got hurt in the Texas Tech game and didn't come back until way down at Iowa State, and then of course I don't even want to think about Josh getting hurt against Oklahoma State. So, um, yeah, I think I think we're going back seven years. So, yeah, it's been a while.
1: No pressure, boys. How many catches did Dotson have in 2015? I I just looked it up, but I don't see if any of y'all can get it. In
2: 2015 or 14?
1: 2015, he set the record for most catches in a season in TCU history.
2: All right, let's see here. Okay, so I I think he had 19 against Texas Tech in that game.
0: All right, so 2015, he gets hurt against Oklahoma State, and then he's out Kansas, Oklahoma, Baylor, and the bowl game. And that's still the record. I'm going with 77.
2: I'm going 84. He had
1: 79. 79. Ooh, good okay. guess, Jeff. Yeah, really good guess. Without going over two prices, Right rules, you win all the prizes. But Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Quinn Johnson, what did he have against Texas
2: Tech? Was it not 18 or 19, something had, like
1: that? He had 18 that tied the record set by Richard Woodley, who also oh, won 80 90. versus Texas Tech in 1990. How do you forget that game? I know I was barely alive. But but with that being said, so seventy nine is the record, and Johnston had twenty two last year in nine games played.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, that's that's a big that's a big leap. But I think we saw a lot more out of Johnson in the back half of the year than we did the first half of the year. So I don't know. I I think, I think eighty is a, is a bridge too far. But I think it's something to think about in two years. I'm going 58 this season. What's the
2: yards? The yards is what I was more into. I don't know if he'll get the catches because they spread the ball out so much, but he's got a a crazy yard per catch average.
1: Okay, yards per season also set by Dotson in 2015. Anyone play Price is is Right with this as well? 12.73. I was going 14.90. Uh, Jeremy, you win this time, 13.27. Okay. And that's the record by two hundred and sixty. He he Jalen Reger in twenty eighteen had a thousand sixty one. That's second most all time.
2: So you gotta think if if Johnston averages just hundred yards a game this year, he can he can get close to that.
1: That's twelve hundred. That puts him mm-hmm. second all time. Yep. Well they're so, going
2: to a bowl game and then when they play in the playoffs, that's another game. Or they're going to the playoffs. So-
1: Big 12 title plus
2: national and championship. championship. Uh, I mean, 15 games. I mean, he won't even have to average 100 yards.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: but he will. Okay, <laughs> but he but he will. Okay, so <laughs> we've
0: got at least 1500 yards on the record
1: here in mid-April. We've got this written down: 87 catches and 1400 yards. Is what I'm going to say.
2: <laughs> Speaking of tempering our expectations, <laughs>
1: <laughs> never tempered anything.
0: Speaking of tempering our expectations, all right, things are, are running wild here like we're at a horse track in Arkansas. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jeremy, you've already dug into this a little bit about defensive line, but uh, this is the best depth that the Frogs have at defensive line since when?
2: Probably 2014. I mean, they had they had good defensive tackles. They had good ends. Um, okay. I don't, I mean, I just can't, I can't recall them having eight defensive tackles that are gonna play in a game ever though mm-hmm. I can't remember a I can't remember a roster eight deep at defensive tackle. I can remember a roster with four deep at defensive end, but i mean they have they they got basically a twelve man rotation on defensive line, and that's not even counting uh Landon Watson and chris Murray right now mm hmm and if Mark Jackson comes back, Mark Jackson played in the spring game. Hey,
0: talk about that. I was shocked when I saw that. And I, I am mildly addicted to this content. I thought Mark <laughs> Jackson was done. You, well, you said he you was done told me that. Mark Jackson was I done. Know. I said he
2: was going through the spring, but he was going to make a decision on whether or not he was going to continue to play. Okay. Um, but he he decided to come out there and play. Um, and he, And I don't remember him making a ton of plays on Saturday, but I think he did make, one or two, because I remember just seeing it.
1: By my math, he got a sack on on Chandler Morris, which was ironic. Morris threw it away, and they blew the play down.
2: (laughs) Oklahoma OU on OU. OU on OU? I think Mark said something about it in the press box, that there's a former Oklahoma quarterback and former OU defensive end, or maybe that was Drew. Someone mentioned it in the press box. Okay. Two former Sooners going getting one getting a sack and one throwing the ball away and the other one getting a sack anyway.
1: Yeah. So well I think Yeah,
2: I, I do think this defensive line is extraordinarily good. I mean, they're they're gonna be talented.
0: Well, you know, we talk about the twenty fourteen defensive tackles, you know, Davion Pearson, Chucky Hunter. Um I'm so old I remember was it Chris Bradley was a freshman that year. Uh-huh. And that's where it ran out. We just didn't have we had we had a good two two and a half to three, we did not have depth at defensive line. I really, you know, you know, we didn't see Corey Bethley, Earl Barquette. I'm a big fan of his. We've already talked about Patrick Jenkins, uh, uh, Sorrels is a question mark, but you know we'll we'll see what let's we'll see what Fitch can do with that, and we we've got other guys coming in. I feel like we actually do have some depth at defensive line, so that when the fourth quarter comes, we're we're able to get good on good out there with guys that aren't completely gassed. So I guess that's yeah. that's the upside in terms of my perspective. Somebody said on our board we don't have a Ross Blacklock. Well. You know, 6 five, 330-pound men that can run four 940s are just not, like, hanging out in the recruiting office every day. But we do yeah. have some serious depth of quality players. They're um, power five uh, football players that are getting better underneath um, Fitch. So I feel like this could be the best defensive line we put out there in a long time.
2: I think Sorrells has a really bright future, and I've mentioned it on the board a few times, that it, once he puts it all together, he's going to be really good. Uh, Saturday we didn't see a whole lot of them. I know one one time he was uh, in there and Barlow got a nice little run because Sorrels went to the wrong gap, filled the wrong gap, and Barlow got how uh, maybe eight or nine yards out of the play, and Sorrels got yanked, and uh, Fitch was given a given him an earful on the sideline. Well, later in the later in the scrimmage, he they had the same call, and this time Sorrels did the right thing, and Trent Battle was in there playing quarterback, and it was a um, snap that was kind of to the side. But Battle didn't get it right right away, and and Sorrells was in the backfield pretty quick and got it. You know, got the sack. Got the we call it we call it sacks. But if you know they're not out there killing the quarterbacks, they're touching it. But we're considering it sacks. You know, so don't anyone listening or reading the stuff on the board don't think that the guys are just out there throwing down the quarterbacks. Sometimes they get within two yards and you hear the whistle start going crazy. They don't want any any contact on the quarterbacks.
0: Any other takeaways from either um, Billy or Jeremy? Things of note uh, from the spring scrimmage that you think is worth highlighting for our listeners before we get on to um, uh, Chandler Morris, baseball, soccer, and recruiting, and then, of course, listener questions. I think you got it all for me. Okay. Jeremy, anything else you want to um, uh, drop in there?
2: I was just pondering that, and I can't – I mean, we we really didn't talk about Chandler Morris a whole lot, did we?
0: You know, we did not talk about Chandler Morris, so let's just go ahead and get into it. You tell us a little bit about what you saw on the field, and then we'll, we'll transition to what's been going on off the field because – it's partly Lincoln Riley, but it's really the big change in NCAA transfer rules, which we're going to spend some time talking about. So tell me what you saw on the field, and then I'll drive us into the off-the-field stuff.
2: I, I will say this. I, I know I mentioned him. Now, I'm telling you, I got COVID brain, and, I, and as soon as I said, we didn't talk about Chandler Morris that way, I remember some of the things I said, but um, I will I will say he's, he. I don't think he's, uh, I know he's not as, as fast as Max straight line, but I do think without seeing Sam Jackson on Saturday, which I was very disappointed we didn't see him. Um, but I will say with without any doubt that Morris has the best escapability. I mean, that that guy, he is quick. Um, he sees the rush pretty good. For as small as he is, he's, he's got great pocket presence. I will say that about him. He's not one of those – typically quarterbacks his size take a snap, and as soon as they feel the the, the little bit of pressure – where the pocket collapses and they just take off and run. And I will say he does a great job of uh, staying in the pocket for as long as he can. And once someone is getting the heat on him, he he had one play where he just completely, I don't know who it was, Billy. Maybe, you maybe you remember, but he completely juked a defensive end out of his shoes and uh, made a nice little run to the sideline. And there was another play where I think they had like a third and 11 and he ended up running for like 13 or 14 yards for a first down. But I would say that just just seeing those two plays it it would not shock me in the least if they have some type of uh now I know I've said this before because this this was relayed to me last year the 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 Stefan Brown package. I could see them having something similar to what Morris did at o u what Lincoln Riley had for him late in the year using his running ability um number one because Morris can run he's fast. And number two, you eliminate some of the the wear and tear on Max. And if they got another quarterback that can run a few plays, if if Morris can come in there and run five or six plays, and you take five or six carries away from Max, that's going to help you in the long run with Max staying healthy. So I think it's I think it's great in that aspect, and um, I'm, I'm excited what he can to see what he can do right now. He's he's backing up Downing, but I, I think that'll change in the fall.
1: After Brown last year, I'm I'm so heartbroken I'm not buying into another guy's package ever again. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that go too. Yeah, um, let
2: that one go too.
1: I, that I caught go. that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I I threw that up there for a softball <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> this this is, is a, come on. This is a family show. My mother listens to this.
0: This is a family show. Um All right, so obviously we've had a lot go on with Chandler Morris in the media and off the field for three or four weeks here. And there have been, um, how do I put this, a variety of takes on that on Twitter as well as um, some sports columnists that have weighed in. Bottom line, Chandler Morris transferred to TCU from Oklahoma. Uh, He had not been released from his NIL from the University of Oklahoma because he had to be there for a year for that to be released is what I understand. This stuff is so dang hard to keep track of. Mm But there has now been um, uh, NCAA uh, uh, legislation that has been passed that everyone is now eligible for a one-time transfer to where you do not have to sit out a year and the university cannot withhold you from sitting out a year. And so even though I think at the end of the spring game, Lincoln Riley formally released Chandler Morris from his um, NIL to be eligible immediately at TCU. That in the end didn't matter because I think it was that day or the next day the NCAA let that legislation out um, or the word leaked. I can't I can't keep up with all of that. Bottom line, Chandler Morris was going to play here one way or another. Um, he was going to be eligible to play this fall because of the NCAA legislation. But everything that went on before that, Jeremy, was that just all drama bullcrap? Is this just uh, Gary and Lincoln playing? Uh, Uh, just having fun in the media. I don't know, but I'd really be, I'd really open your thoughts because it's petty and I love petty.
2: (laughs) Uh, You know, Chandler, Chandler Morris, Oklahoma releasing him from his NLI. I thought it was going to be tougher than Lincoln Riley's brisket for a while. (laughs) I mean, it it was, they were, they were digging in. They were, they were playing. They were, they were, uh, I mentioned it on the board. It wasn't going to be a pretty thing for Oklahoma because, Number one, I think it did. kind of, it, It's it's great. It's great drama, like you mentioned. Um, it's funny because out of the twenty minutes, Coach P talked. The first story a couple people did was talking about Chandler Morris's availability. I'm like, okay, it's the quarterback, a second string, but this is probably going to generate the most clicks, so go with it. But um, talking with some people, I know, I know, Coach Patterson and Lincoln were talking behind the scenes, and um, the conversations were cordial. Um The The whole part about it was, I think, a little overblown in the media. The uh, The uh end, the, I, I was posting the whole time, it, it's It's going to work itself out. It's going to sort itself out. And when Coach kind of said, well, it's an Oklahoma's court, and then Lincoln comes out and says, well, if the rules are this and this, then we'll, then we'll, revisit some things well once he said that and the ncaa draw you know came out with their new legislation and the big 12 came out with their rule then lincoln guess what you what you said was basically if the rules change then you guys are going to release chandler and he's going to be able to play well from what i understand it was more of a compliance issue on oklahoma's end that they didn't want to release the the nli and i think they saved uh uh, a media blitz by releasing him because it, it, it wouldn't have looked very good for uh, Oklahoma to not allow Chandler to, to play. Um, and not to mention probably did a smart thing when it comes to recruiting yeah. considering Chad is at Allen high school now and Allen, I mean, they might produce one or two kids. I mean, every six weeks, I mean, there's a very big recruiting hotbed and Oklahoma's recruited there before and so you don't want to ruin that relationship with, with the coach over there. So um, it, it all parties are happy about it now, and it. I, I think it was a little bit <laughs> too much drama at times um, because I always felt like, and, and talking with people that I was speaking with behind the scenes, all felt that it was going to work itself out.
1: Quarterbacks always get their waivers. Waivers are not, they've always gotten them. I, no one should have put too much thought into this. It was clearly going to happen at some point. At some point, one way or another.
0: I realize my acronyms are getting all butchered. NLI is National Letter of Intent. NIL is Name Image Likeness. I've got I've got the N, the L, and the I all mixed up because we
1: don't get that either. So it's fine.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm really looking forward to name, image, and likeness uh, coming out, and some oil company um, owned by a TCU alumni really wants to sponsor at A hundred grand a commercial, a, a you know, a four-star running back out of I don't know Allen High School or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, any anything else on the on the Chandler Morris saga, Billy? That's that's worth noting. I do like your comment. If the if it's a quarterback, they're going to get their way.
1: Been that way for years. I don't get or, I'm surprised by this.
0: Or it's a quarterback from a family of means, if I can go there. Um, that is also a way that it
1: usually gets done. So. I mean, it, that, that plays a big role in it, too, I believe. But yes. also, I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, you can look at – there's so many cases over the years. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, um, just just to get, throw Oklahoma under the bus a couple times there. So,
0: <laughs> Although I, I will say, and I've, I've, I've tried to be as unbiased as I can in this, Baker sat out a year, Kyler Murray sat out a year. I think you should. Ha- I mean, I guess where I disagree with you, I guess where I'm, I, I, I resonate with what Lincoln was trying to communicate. If you're transferring in conference, I'm okay with them sitting out a year if they get a year back in the, at the end. I mean, I get, I guess that I don't want to be recruiting off of your conference mates roster. Um, cause, all right, so so let's let's pivot into that now. This is going to be free mark. I mean, we are going to have uh, free agency in college football going forward. Um, do you think this is going to have a positive impact and negative impact? I know the pa- We, I, I tend to have a bias towards um, the player movement that they would have more rights, they would have more access. I, I'm a big advocate of name, image, and likeness. I think they should be able to share a little bit in in, in what they're able to generate. Um, I guess I'm the last capitalist in the world. I think they shouldn't have their salary capped by the government, um, but I think it's going to screw up college football. So what 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 direction do you two see this going with um, kind of a free agent market every year? Well, I,
2: since we have such a, a good relationship with uh, Coach O down at LSU, I imagine he'll tell us whether or not he's reached out to Kari Coleman, being <laughs> that they, being that they uh, didn't recruit him out of high school because they thought he was
1: too small. Kari Ka- Ka- Coleman too skinny. Hey, 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 grand- hey, grandmamma don't make no gumbo. Not going to put a meat on a bones.
2: But coach, he had the coach. He led the nation in tackles for loss
1: Ladia didn't count. Lady, Lady didn't, nothing. Nothing nothing to happen. Latio has mattered. Okay, I, I'm losing it. But I'm saying everything else that's bad happened to Coach Joe hasn't hasn't actually happened. He's had a rough six months. That nothing that's actually happened has actually happened. <laughs> but no, I think it, I mean, I think the rich are going to keep getting richer, and then you're going to see more of well. I, I'm the fifth five-star quarterback to sign at Alabama. I'm going to transfer somewhere and start at North Carolina or uh, Oklahoma or Texas Tech or whatever. You're going to see it's going to be the same thing. Like, nothing nothing really is changing. Players get a little more freedom. Like I said, if you play a premier position, and if you're going to a power five school, you're going to get your way regardless. So it might help the little guys some more, actually, if, if suddenly uh, Alabama's fifth quarterback can't go to Oklahoma. He can go to – Appalachian State, or something like that. I think that'll be more interesting than what it is now, but I think it's going to be very similar to what we've already seen. I don't think it's going to be as disruptive. As disruptive. Now, I think basketball is a totally different animal because it is oh, yeah. five oh. years, and you only have five players on the, on the court at one time. So that's 20% of your roster gets up and goes. And I don't even know who's playing for TCU next year. It's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I think it's much bigger impact in basketball than it is in football and i think if you get into a spot in football you're gonna stay for three years you're gonna go anyway it's it's i mean i don't think it's be that much different but good for the players they they get a chance to come home i know uh the kid from horton the kid from new mexico had to had to wait a little while to get his release because he's coming back home but i think he was coming from if he was going from like cal to tcu i think it would not have been a big issue but going from a non-power five to a power five they can see that as someone getting above their means and they wanted to shoot that down for a little while but of course it didn't matter so
2: interesting i'm i'm split down the middle on this new rule um in some aspects i love it because i do think um student athletes should have a choice of if things aren't working out right where they are then i feel like they should be able to transfer uh, what, you know, if if they don't feel like it's the right place for them, they should be able to transfer without facing a penalty. What I don't like about it is what I was joking about a second ago, okay? Um, take, for instance, a kid like Kari Coleman, okay? LSU did not recruit Kari Coleman out of high school. But when you have a kid like that that has a, a big-time impact season, you're basically opening up the door to, through back channels, through – other ways. Now coaches can't call from LSU can't call Coleman and say, Hey, we'd love to we'd love to have you, but there's there's back channels through all that. Word can get back to Coleman that hey, LSU would really like you if you want to come home. And that's that's what I fear is these bigger schools going after the the smaller smaller school kids um, that have good years like that. Quentin uh, Quentin Johnston's another kid. What if someone like Alabama wanted to come in and get Quentin Johnston? That's that's what I don't like about the rule as far as you can you' you're gonna have basically a free agent market to where some of these bigger schools can go in and poach some of the smaller schools especially at the g5 level that have big seasons that are um, younger players that would still have three years of eligibility left wherever they transfer to um, without facing any kind of penalty I for me I wish the rule was, A kid has to stay at their program for at least two years before, you know, before transferring without facing a penalty, Um, because I just for some reason, I'm a cynic about it. Uh, I just feel like some of the bigger schools are going to start recruiting these younger players at the smaller schools and reaping the benefits because those kids don't have to sit out any longer.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Jeremy. I'm gonna be really curious and in in the the way the market's gonna drive this, we don't know where it's gonna go. We we will we will all find out in three or four years and we'll be surprised by what it does and then probably be surprised by what it doesn't do. So I remember-
2: we're all we're all for it until it happens to TCU. I mean, once it happens to TCU, everyone's yeah. gonna be like, Oh we, we hate this rule. Yeah, you know, it, it's it and we haven't seen it happen yet, but some someone somewhere will see that happen where their stud freshman player is gonna leave after one year and he's gonna end up at a bigger school. Yeah. Just
0: watch. One of the one of my Oklahoma fan friends on Twitter uh, posted the other day that after one of their running backs got arrested, he's like, Lincoln, get that recruit going and get Zach Evans to Oklahoma this fall. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, yep. that that seriously could happen. I know.
0: Of course it could. It, it's it's it it could now happen. It is reality. So and those back channels, that takes about ten seconds to make it happen. So, oh yeah, right into the I, end. And, I, and, I, and I don't
2: think that's something a lot of fans consider when they're looking at transfers. They're like, "Oh, this is great. We're student athletes." But just watch once it starts happening to your school, and you and your school starts getting players that are leaving, mm-hmm. um, especially the ones that are leaving after big years. You're gonna you're gonna think a lot differently of that rule.
1: But why hasn't that happened more? now i mean because again like justin fields got up and left georgia to go to ohio state joe burrow i think he was what is a grad grad transfer whatever yes how state to go to lsu like stuff like that's already happened but why yeah. what isn't stuff like your are specific and, and it's a fair point like kari coleman could suddenly go to lsu i don't think that would happen but i i'm i got those purple glasses on like the the black and purple glasses on but i i I, well, why hasn't that happened more already? Because the p- picture you're painting, I think, could have already happened a bunch because certain schools got their way every time. Right. Well,
2: that's the thing that you don't didn't have before, Billy. You didn't have you didn't have a guarantee in writing. You just had you were you were taking a risk, but it was a good risk because 95 percent of the time you're going to be eligible. The NCAA, we're, you're coming here. We're trust me, you're going to be you're going to be eligible. We we got a way to work with the NCAA. Now, but it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent guaranteed. Now it's a hundred percent guaranteed. There's there's nothing there's nothing that says there's no rule out there any longer that says you cannot go to this place and and have to sit a year. For a guy like like Coleman that just had a spectacular freshman season, the rule before if he transferred to LSU, you don't have a hundred percent guarantee that you're gonna be eligible your sophomore year. So do you take that risk knowing there's a there's a slight chance I may not be able to play. Well, now you don't have to worry about that. That's the difference. Now you don't have that that stuff in writing that says you have to sit out a year. It's gone. And with him, with younger players, they're trans, especially if a if freshman. You're transferring for the first time, and I mean that's you're you're not going to have to sit. So that's that's clearly what the rule says. You don't have to sit the first time you transfer. Now a guy like T.J. Stormont, I mean. If if he wasn't a grad transfer, he would have to sit. But the rules are so convoluted, it's it's crazy to keep up with. But the one thing that's different now is now you don't have to take that risk. Now you know it's a guarantee that if I leave and I'm transferring for the first time, I don't have to sit. I'm gonna be able to play right away.
1: I don't think it'll be it'll be as wide open as the picture you're painting, but I could I could see a couple things here and there. Maybe more often than just the fields to Ohio State and stuff, but I don't right. think Wild Wild West is where we're picturing it to be. That's just my opinion. We'll see. I you know, think it'll be more
2: prevalent I, in basketball, to be honest.
1: Yeah, basketball. It's been yeah. That's it's a revolving door at every school. I
0: think it'll be more prevalent in basketball, but let's also think about this. There are they, you know, they may not be as. Um, uh, strategic about this, and I don't mean that in a bad way, is, is we are. Well, they may not be as narrow is, in terms of their thought filter the way we are on a football podcast. Maybe they have a girlfriend at TCU. Maybe they love their dorm. Maybe they act, I know this is hard to believe, maybe they really like their program of study, or <laughs> they, they live somewhere that was freezing cold, and it, they love that in in November in Fort Worth, you can wear your te- your shorts I don't know. Or maybe maybe they're from Louisiana, and they wisely got out of there as fast as they could. Whoa. There, there may, oh, sorry about that. Um, There may be uh, – I'm, I'm thinking of like North Louisiana, like Ruston and Monroe. Not oh. <laughs> oh. That's <weird. laughs> Billy, I know, man. He's hurting your feelings. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I, I know. All right. All right.
2: Can, I, can I say something real quick? So you can, and then we're going straight easy. to questions. Go ahead. I am not saying Coleman's leaving for LSU. Let's <laughs> just put that out there. So – you guys listening and going on the board, and for the random LSU fan that may be listening, I'm not inferring that LSU is doing anything bad. I'm just creating a perfect
1: hypothetical. That's all. But Quentin Johnson's definitely going to Alabama is what you said. Yes,
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's, I'm going to say this real quick. I'm so excited for our women's soccer team. That is awesome. I'm so glad that they are going to be a, a national seed. TCU baseball, if you're not following, get on the train right now because it's going straight to Omaha. Top 10 rankings. They swept the nationally ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. That was exciting baseball. It was not. It was a little sloppy at times, but, man, to sweep Oklahoma State. All right, we're going to try to keep this show to an hour, so let's get to listener questions. All right, I'm going to uh, run these down on our board. Billy, I'm going to start with you. Who's going to have more catches this year, J.D. Spillman or D.J. Rogers?
1: Uh, do punts count?
0: No. Uh, then I'll go Rogers. Okay. Jeremy, we got a new opening that was filled in the recruiting office um, from a, a, a high school coach in, in a, that's got a lot of roots in DFW, especially South Dallas. 90 seconds at most. Give us an update on that.
2: He's very good in the DeSoto area, uh, I-20 corridor. Uh, knows now, a lot of they, coaches.
0: Not, do they have players I, around there?
2: <laughs> a, a few, a few. I mean, it was it was big. They they targeted him for a reason. They they wanted a guy that has connections in that area. And and when you talk to people about Bam, I mean, you, you hear nothing but great things about him. Um, this was big, man. I think he's going to help out with a lot of kids.
0: Billy, who's got a higher ceiling this season, Quentin Johnston or Zach Evans?
1: Uh, Quentin Ooh. Johnston, because I think there's they have five running backs and only one true number one wide receiver. I'm going to say Quentin Johnston. Jeremy, I'm looking for a veteran
0: player that's not a freshman and, you know, not uh, somebody that's been in the program for a while that you think is going to be a breakout player on both sides of the ball.
2: Ooh, man. I think Darius is going to have a good year. You know, continue what he left off with Mm -hmm. his uh, junior season. And defense, let's go with Wyatt Harris.
0: All right, I'm, I approve. I like that one. Carter Ware. Carter, Carter Ware. Carter Ware is going to – Heisman Trophy candidate Carter Ware. Uh, Billy, what are your thoughts on bringing in the big German, Honig, and um, short yardage situations and run the German version of the belldozer?
1: Uh, I love it because the more times I see him on the field, the better. Uh, I don't know if it will happen, but I'm here for it. Okay. Jeremy Billy wants it
2: to happen so he can start talking German in the press box.
1: Yeah, <laughs> get to the fuck,
0: <laughs> run, 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 come on, do it. That is that is Cajun doing German. <laughs> there you were, oh Jeremy. Who who should we keep an eye on as our next commit?
1: Hmm,
2: some interesting options there
0: uh i'm still gonna go with jay fair okay you heard it first 841 on a monday night jay fair oh man uh billy did you get to see kenny hill on the sidelines at the scrimmage at all did you see any noticeable difference of him being an analyst versus being a quarterback's coach
1: i mean no he's still the same kenny hill kenny hill always has been but i mean i think he's he just enjoys his job enjoys being around the team and being around the players. I I think he's the same person through and through, and he's gonna be a great influence on this team. So any difference? No, not really. But he's out there having fun with his boys. Good. We
2: asked Coach about that too, and he said it's nothing really different because he was helping the quarterbacks last year too. So Good. didn't we didn't we didn't really notice anything.
0: Jeremy, this is I can't believe we didn't bring this up in our observations from the spring game. Is there a battle at Long Snapper?
2: No. There's a four year starter at Long Snapper.
0: Okay. No battle. Antonio,
2: or. Antonio Ortiz.
0: Antonio Ortiz. All right. Last question from the listener or listener questions. Billy, will Max Duggan be a top three quarterback in the conference?
1: Um. Yeah. Uh, who, who else is even there? Brock Purdy? Brock oh, and Purdy. And Rattler. Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Rattler. Yeah. Those are the top three. Okay. All right. I can go with that. And he might be two. Like I don't think he's. I don't think he's third. Oh, I think Purdy oh. it. That's a it's a crazy hot take, I guess. But I think Duggan has a higher has a higher ceiling than Purdy does. There, I said it.
2: I cannot wait till that game late in the year on the road of names.
1: Ooh, it's going to be nine and below. <laughs> Max him three times and LVZ. It's two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. Yeah.
2: Max is gonna. Max is gonna return home and he's going to set the
0: state of Iowa
2: on fire. I approve. (sighs) We're
0: going to try to keep this to an hour here, guys, right there at 59 minutes and 30 seconds. Anything else you guys want to say before I land this plane? See you all around. All right. So we want to thank you so much for listening to the Frogcast. If you have not yet, subscribed to us on iTunes. You can find us on your podcasting app of choice. And, of course, if you haven't yet, we want to encourage you to go to hornfrogblitz.com and subscribe today. You can get all the inside information about what's going on recruiting. I will tell you, recruiting is heating up. You can find out things that are going on in the locker room and off the field right there on hornfrogblitz.com. Jeremy and Billy got you hooked up to keep you informed about what's going on inside and outside of the the program. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our show. Give us a rating and review. We would appreciate that. Get as many frog fans as we can find to log on and subscribe to the Frogcast. So, for Billy Wessels, for Jeremy Clark, and Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.